I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. We'll keep the apologies short. We haven't recorded in close to a month, and that was for several reasons. Mostly that we just needed to overcome some illnesses and injuries. Sounds like mom needed a recap of the first eight chapters. I mean, the first eight chapters of Jeremiah, pretty simple. Prophecies. About what's going to happen to who? Israel. Israel. Yeah, because what was Israel doing? Sinning. They were sinning. Were the prophecies good or were they bad? Bad. They were bad. It's pretty much eight chapters of that. What was the purpose of the law? Remember what we read in the New Testament, what Paul said in no confusing terms, what the purpose of the law was? I think it was to prepare the people for Jesus' coming. The purpose of the law was to show how sinful you were, right? People were always sinful, right? But the law had the distinct purpose of helping you come to the conclusion that unless the Lord provides a savior, I'm doomed. Good thing is, is then you recognize, well, I need a savior. Then you can start looking into prophecy. And you're like, wait, there's a savior. The savior is prophesied. There's a savior coming. Who's that savior? Then you can start. That's right, Jesus, right? So really, the point of the law is to point you to your need for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in the in your mind while we're reading through this, and these seem like a whole bunch of terrible things. Well, they are terrible. So we're starting here. It's pretty much chapter 9. It's actually the last two verses in chapter 8. But uh, we're going to start from there. That's 21 and 22, and then jump right on into 9. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a lodging place for travelers so that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a crowd of unfaithful people. They make ready their tongue like a bow to shoot lies. It is not by truth that they triumph in the land. They go from one sin to another. They do not acknowledge me. When we sin, Trey Brock or or Harper, when we sin, what are we... What are we looking for? You're looking for something interesting. 
Kind of. Interesting. What did you say? I said acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah, some form of happiness, right? Satisfying. 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 Yeah, we're looking for something. We just realized that some element is missing, and without it, I can't be happy. And Trey put a big one out there, which was acceptance. Let's call the three of them. Let's let's just agree for right now that there's three key things that we need to be. I'm going to say at peace instead of happy, right? At peace. Do you know what the three are? One is acceptance. Purpose. Purpose. Acceptance. Right? We need to know that we are going to be accepted and not rejected. Right? Purpose. We need to know that there's a purpose for our life. That we're not just... Here to be. Here to be here and and that we have no place to be or thing to do. Right? But that it's Mm. very important that we were created. We were given a purpose as part of that creation. Mm. Right? Acceptance purpose and L word love love yes acceptance purpose and love when people generally reach out to sin they're generally lacking one of those three things and they're trying to fill their need for acceptance purpose or love with sin and then when they sin what do they find nothing um fake pleasure fake pleasure what's that harper Unhappiness. Unhappiness. Yeah, it doesn't. Sin doesn't live up to what it said it could do. Mm-hmm. You know, it said, "Oh, you need to be accepted. Here, go do this bad thing with these people. They'll accept you, and you'll feel accepted." But somehow it's just not going to do it. You need to feel love. Go do this adulterous thing. Go do this thing that you know your your body and your marriage vow that covenant supposed to be sacred. Well, go do this. You're gonna. You're going to experience some form of love through that. And then you get there and you're like, this is, this is leading me into fear. This is leading me into hatred. This isn't leading me into love. You know, this is leading me into farther into insecurity. This is causing me to hide out, to not, not be loved, you know, or purpose. Oh, you're bored. Well, here, I have something you can do. This is going to be fun. This is going to make you feel better. But if it's not the purpose you were created for, it's not going to feel it might feel satisfying for a little bit of time. It might feel happy for a little bit of time, but it's never going to give you what you really need. So it shouldn't surprise us that the Lord says here, they go from one sin to another. Why do they have to go to another sin? Because they can't find what they're looking for in the first one. First one didn't work. That's right. So they go to another. And I'm telling you kids, that is the path of sin. It will come into your life with a shade of something real that the Lord gave us promising to fill that purpose or love or acceptance if you give into it and if you yield to it and you allow it to have its place in your heart then it will grow but when it grows it won't it, it won't become it won't be enough and you're going to need more of it or it's going to need even to take you a little bit farther it can be a very destructive thing you know, these evil thoughts, evil that starts out as thoughts and then sin once it's taken root, it ultimately leads to death. You go on from one sin to another because the first one didn't work and it wanted more, it needed more, it always demands more. This might be a bad example, but um, say you're like really, really uh, hungry and then you eat like the food that's offered to you and it doesn't seem to fill you mm-hmm. and you want more because mm-hmm. you want to feel full. Mm-hmm. But even though you feel full for a little bit, it seems to just go through a hole. You're just 
go straight through. After they go on from once into another, they do not acknowledge me, declares the Lord. And that is something that we talked about, where if the Spirit is in you, and you are on a path of sin and destruction, that the Spirit will come to the surface. Then you're going to have to choose whether you're going to suppress it, or rather you're going to allow the Spirit to have its place. Right? And part of learning how to do that is learning to die to that part of your brain that says... I'm God. I'm king. I'm the God of my life. I'm the king of my life or the queen. And I run the show. This is my body. This is my life. I'll do what I want. You have to learn to deny that side of your flesh and to say, Lord, my life is an offering to you. I'm going to be obedient to what you say. Right? And so when your spirit talks to me, when I hear, when your spirit says something to say to me and gets my attention, I'm going to yield to it. I may not like it, but I'm not the boss. Be aware of your friends. Do not trust your brothers. For every brother is a deceiver and every friend is a slanderer. Friend deceives friend and no one speaks the truth. Keep in mind, he's talking about the people of Israel during their time specifically, that there wasn't any good people among them. They have taught their tongues to lie. They weary themselves with sinning. How do we teach our tongues to lie? And that's kind of an empty question. So let me... How do you teach yourself not to speak the truth? Yes. Well, put it this way. This will be the last one to go over, but... Why do we lie? Because we want to be out of trouble. That's right. We're afraid of getting in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. That's the reason we lie. It's because we're afraid of getting in trouble. And... We, we, so we train ourselves to lie when we start off with some small lies or start off with little lies and we observe that I got away with it. I lied and therefore I got away with it and I avoided the, that's right, the immediate consequence. And so you teach yourself that, oh, that's a good thing because I protected myself, right? But the problem is, is this. It protect it. Um, kept you from learning your lesson. That's right. And in the end, not learning that lesson of honesty will cause much more pain. It'll cause much more pain as an adult than it will as a child. And depending on what you lied about, it could help you, it not help you, but it could cause you to struggle with the thing that you lied about. Yeah. Imagine if you've trained yourself to be such a, a, a good liar, it's almost like second nature that you lie to your children and that your children grow up thinking, I can't trust what my dad says. I can't trust that what he's reading to me and what he's speaking into me right now is the truth. When he says he loves me, I don't know if he's saying that because he wants something or if he's saying that because he really loves me. When he says he's proud of me, I don't know if he says that because I won or would he still be proud of me if I lost? Am I enough for him? Am I enough? I know it sounds extreme, but you can teach yourself to be a good liar when you're young and have relationships when you're old that are totally void of truth because you've taught yourself to avoid every little sliver of pain through lying. 
And we know that it's good for us. When we've done wrong, it is good for us to go through the pain. It's just good for us. All right. And that's, and that's all, all I got to say about that. <laughs> that's right. Last verse, verse 6. You live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me, declares the Lord. All of us are going to have times where we struggle with some of the things that the Israelites struggled with, right? But twice, in only nine verses, the Lord said, and they won't acknowledge me. Let's just think about that, all right? When we're in one of these situations, don't expect yourself to be perfect because you're never going to be perfect. In, in anything you do, you will not be perfect. I don't care if it's school, gym, relationships, your marriage, being a mother or father, anything you do, you are not going to be perfect. When we haven't been perfect in a way that has to do with our relationship, our spirituality, let's just acknowledge the Lord. Lord, you sent your son Jesus Christ. I am no longer a slave to this sin. My identity is not to live as a liar. My identity is not to take the easy road. My identity is to trust in you. My identity is as a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, made perfectly righteous through his shed blood. My identity is that you're, I accepted you as my savior and I accepted your life into my body and that's by that same life, I'll now grow into the likeness of Christ as you finish your work in me. And I'm thankful for that. Just acknowledge the Lord. I love you kids. I love you too. You guys are good kids.